Pizza? Pizza? Pizza! Hungry for some pizza now? Yeah, that's what we thought. Get yours at Domino's Hawaii. We deliver aloha. The Mothership Podcast is sponsored by Hawaii Surrogacy Center. Start your family with Hawaii's leading surrogacy agency. Everybody and thank you for joining us. Welcome to the Mothership Podcast. We want to welcome Chulan Shubert-Kwok, the president of the Chinatown Business and Community Association since 2009, past president of the Associated Chinese University of Women, U.S.-China People's Friendship Association, a longtime Chinatown neighborhood board member, and she also sat on the state small business regulatory review board and grew a successful career in real estate. She has an extensive leadership background, but what she's most known for is her work to preserve and revitalize Honolulu's Chinatown and the neighborhoods around it. Welcome to the podcast, Chulan. Thank you, Stephanie, for always supporting worthy projects. <laughs> yes, yes. You know, um, and, and Noli, I'll tell you, like, you know, Whenever I'm in, you know, the Chinatown community or, um, you know, the, the Chinese organizations, a lot of people will say, you know, without Chulan's help, without mm -hmm. her dedication, if it wasn't her pushing, you know, leaders and government leaders to, um, you know, more awareness in certain parts of Chinatown or in problem areas, things wouldn't have happened if it wasn't Chulan. So wow. we're really grateful, Chulan, for all that you have done. And that's the reason why I wanted to invite you to come on to this podcast. I know there's so much that we can talk about, but first of all, what, what is your reaction to people who know you in that way? I think a lot of people want to help Stephanie and Nori, but because uh, they are afraid, because it is quite political when you're an activist pushing uh, buttons and people are always worried about the risk and the backlash. So for me, I was born in Singapore. My roots are there and then I've been here 45 years or longer, since 1975. So I don't have as much to lose as those that are fourth, fifth generation. And those are a lot of millionaires coming out of Chinatown, but they are not willing to rock the boat because they wouldn't, they are not willing to upset uh, whatever that was career, you know, um, a lot of other reasons. Whereas for me, I studied this Chinatown and studied other Chinatowns in the United States and also a little bit around the world. And I was so fascinated by the history of this Chinatown and not only is this Chinatown the oldest Chinatown in the United States? Oh. Continental United States, San Francisco is the mm. oldest Chinatown. But because the Chinese first arrived here documented in 1789, and they were also um, folks that said they were Chinese workers on the discovery and endeavor when Captain Cook arrived in Hawaiian oh. Islands. 
and because so they were free traders and they were under the Qing dynasty, the last emperor of China. So there was a lot of free trade and the Chinese are uh, in, in fact, the Manchurian ruled China for 268 years. So there were a lot of voyages by the Chinese uh, government to send out envoys to visit different areas that will help them in their trade. And of course, in the de declining uh, 100 years, many Europeans took uh, positions in China's trading posts. Mm -hmm. And um, in fact, was the last uh, 20th century, um, much of China was coughed up by, by uh, a lot of other countries. And if you went to Shanghai, you would see that it's, it's like a different nation within the, a nation. So when the Chinese came over to Hawaii, they were trying to change the destiny of their families to make a better living for the family by sacrificing, taking the risk of, 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 of um, coming in their Chinese junks and boats and then finding ways to arrive at these islands. And one of the attractions of these islands was the sandalwood. Hawaii has one of the very few areas that sandalwood thrived. So the Hawaiian kingdom sold sandalwood exclusively to the Chinese merchants. And and for folks seeing sandalwood, it's a, tree, a type of wood, um, right? Yeah, it's the perfume wood, the wood that makes perfume. It, it doesn't rot and, and no termites. So it's also a, a wood that needs like the core tree, a parasite tree next to it. Mm. So mm. when the Ali'i and the, and the king of Hawaii decided to sell this sandalwood, they raided and downed all the trees and sold the sandalwood. And when the sandalwood was done, uh, there was no more sandalwood to be sold, right? Of course, they're buying tea, they're buying silver, they're buying all kinds of stuff from the Chinese merchants. And then came the, the big four with the plantation, pineapple and, mm. and sugar cane. And that's when they needed uh, extra cheap labor. And China was going through the turmoil of famine and, and upheaval, political, you know, uh, ineffectiveness because of opium. A lot of China's people were addicted to opium. So the especially the upper echelon rich people, the, the officials, so they were really unable to run the government properly and people were suffering. So many, many households, especially from the South, where they, they have access to the sea, they go overseas to different countries, not just Hawaii. They went to England, Europe, to, to the Caribbean islands, to South America. So they came to Hawaii because they were able to trade as equal nation. So the king actually appointed a Chinese merchant to be his financial advisor. And this person tried and became the first millionaire, if not billionaire in, in, in Hawaii and married a mixed uh, European woman as a second wife and had a settled family uh, in, in Nuano. And, and so that was how fascinating the history was. And then there was vineyards in Hawaii, you know, Vineyard Boulevard came oh, yeah. from vineyards. And that there were a lot of Portuguese vineyards uh, in, in, in Hawaii. And all the way to like, you know, the guy called Marine, to have a Marine Tower named after him. He was one of the folks that grew the vines in, in Hawaii. And then the Chinese came and then you have the revolution. 
1911, Dr. Sun Yat Sen actually came to oh, Hawaii yes. and studied at both Awal College and Yolani School. And so when he came, he was a young boy of 13. And then he went to school and then he learned King's English. Um, and then he won a contest in his uh, essay. And he went back, became a doctor. And then he was still, uh, when he was in, in Hawaii, he fermented the idea of, uh, of republicanism about government for the people, by the people, you know, is, is to do good. And it was hard to sell that idea because the intelligentsia was mostly stationed in Japan. Japan was the, the most progressive Asian country at that time in the in 19th century and 20th century. So Japan was the place of science, of, of, of new ideas, of shipbuilding and trains and things like that. So many of the well-to-do families of the upper echelon Chinese um, bureaucracy went to Japan to study. And of course, they also pick up ideas uh, of different ways of governing the country. So there were many, many unrest and protests in China wanting the country to be um, able to have rights to vote and stuff like that. So until Sun Yat-sen toppled the, the, the Manchu government in 1911, um, things were always in an upheaval. He was kind of surprised that the revolution took place and succeeded because they had done so many and none of them succeeded. And this time, uh, there was some miscommunication to um, the sort of premier of the Chinese uh, empire and he ran away. And so when he abandoned the um, his, uh, his headquarters, everybody ran. And so the revolution succeeded. And Hawaii is that special because the relationship between Hawaii and China went back that long. And because of the democracy idea that took root, uh, it, that Sun Yat-sen was the first provisional president of China. He only lasted one year. And he died several years later, not, not too far. But while he was in Hawaii escaping the Manchurian spies and assassins, he met many, many Hawaiian up-and-coming successful leaders, and they funded the revolution. They actually bought the first airplane. They set up the first Chinese Air Force, and Lei Waidu's family and a few of the prominent Chinese family actually did a lot of the financial backing to help succeed uh, in the revolution and, and toppling the Manchurians, because Manchurians adopted Chinese ways but they were foreigners. They were not Chinese. They were not Ming Chinese. And then that's why this history in Hawaii is so interesting because the Chinaman that came uh, to Hawaii married local uh, Hawaiian ladies. And then uh, my research showed that Taiwan ladies love to marry Chinese men because they provide food in not relying on fishing or what you can catch or you know what you can grow because a Chinaman will work very hard to take care of his family. And also in, Chi in, in the Chinese history and culture, it's okay to have more than one wife. So it's okay to set up a second family because the goal in every Chinese family to have a lot of sons because infanticide is kind of high. So mm -hmm. the more children you have, the more successful your family will be to ensure future generation and also cheap labor. So... For business to succeed, 
you are better off trusting your own families than to hire people. So in a family, you have a hierarchy. So grandpa is the big boss, and then you, you can control the business. So that's why the Chinese family married, the Chinese men married to the, the, the Hawaiian families, and they were able to buy land, they were able to establish businesses. And then when they have sons, they bring the sons back to China, and they register their sons in the family temple that records all the male births. Of course, they don't record the female births. They only record the, the male births. So many Hawaiians, if they took the time to go back to their ancestral villages, they would see their names in the ancestor book. And then, uh, of course, the English language kind of corrupted the, the last names of the Chinese people. Many, you, you find names like Akaka, you know, are saying or hmm. all the different names. They're not surnames, as you know. They are first names. Oh. So the, 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 for Asian people, the last name is the first letter and then the given name. So if your surname is like me, Schubert, then it will be Schubert Chulan. That's the Chinese way. Oh. But for English way, it will be Chulan Schubert. So that's why a lot of the names got reversed. And many of the Hawaiian Chinese really did not know their real last names. But if they went back to the ancestral village, they can then discover what their last name is because it's recorded correctly in Chinese. Wow. Yeah. So the history of Hawaii is so tangled with China and the talent that came from China and, and the establishment of the government in, in the kingdom of Hawaii needed a lot of Chinese help. But the Chinese came and grew taro and they grew rice and fish ponds. So that kind of kind of works well with the Hawaiian with the, the with the with the taro. And the, the Chinese taught them how to make how to grow dry land taro and they were able to learn how to steam above ground the food that the Chinese brought in as a Chinese husbands because they need to eat rice, right? So and then they also have like noodles like long rice. So you have chicken long rice, you have lao lao, and, and then all this food actually came from steaming above ground because Hawaiians were cooking food underground. Mm -hmm. So with the Chinese men in the family, they learned a lot of cooking techniques. And many of the food, um, newer, I mean, after marriage food from Hawaii changed. So you able to learn how to dry meat, uh, salt meat, and steam above ground and stir fry and using the wok because the wok was the pretty become a quite a standard cooking utensil for Hawaiians. So then come Chinatown, right? Because when you have more Chinese come, where you're gonna put them? Europeans and the higher society do not want the Chinese pigtail, you know, and the way they picture the Chinese was kind of like by that time pretty bad because you have the um, 1882 um, Chinese Exclusion Act was enacted and then they, they then um, did a second act in 1892, 10 years later. And these were, these were done by the uh, Southern senators because they didn't want competition of cheap labor from the Chinese because they were, they were um, encouraging Irish folks, uh, European folks to come and work and so the Chinese were regarded very poorly as cheap labor and people to be disregarded. In fact, 
in 1840s, late 30s, 18 late 30s and 1840s and 50s, a lot of Chinese went directly from China to San Francisco, which is called Gold Mountain. And then comes uh, on. So they went there to, to work to, to, to dig for gold. And a lot of the hazardous jobs of blasting the mountain, carrying explosives, were all done by Chinese laborers. And so when the gold mining was done, some of them went home, some of them settled in San Francisco, and some of them went uh, to the central part, went to Utah, went to, to build the railroad. So when the railroad was completed, um, they pushed the Chinese workers out of the picture and just put European uh, workers in the picture. So until about, I would say 15 years ago, uh, one of the Chinese historian photographer named um, Corky Lee decided to reenact the completion of the real uh, connection between East and West at Pomagori um, Point in Utah. And so all the descendants of the Chinese railroad workers went and staged for this historic photo. And this, this photo be, becomes a very important part of Chinese history to correct the faded out history and restore, you know, factual history. And so that picture became very famous in civil rights movement, like the Organization of Chinese Americans. And we auction off that photo every year to raise money for interns. So we have college interns from all over the world and also in the United States who apply for this OCA scholarship so they can intern for like six to eight weeks or sometimes longer with congressional offices. So that's how some of this uh, activity connected with Chinese immigration and how it came. And, and then of course, we are having, we had some bad, bad years this last few years being Chinese <laughs> with a COVID and everything. So we were kind of uh, suffering once more again on that very um, big discrimination for being Chinese. And uh, I think that uh, Hawaii has to hold its place and maintain and preserve Chinatown as the oldest. And we need to protect and preserve and, and create safety and business to to let it go. And we have actually a historic district within Chinatown. And we we also have a um, organization by the state government uh, to oversee historic restoration. Um, and the city had just appointed a historic foundation group of people to make sure that the old buildings are, that were on the historic register gets preserved. And with the real, we want to kind of respect the old and restore them and then create some new, especially utilizing some of the buildings that are vacated now into housing. And uh, I think the Chantal Railroad Station is very important. And then we're working on the design to, to capture the um, heritage of the multicultural Chinatown. It's not just Chinese because a lot of Hawaiian, in fact, um, the the space behind the Oahu market is called the Ho Lao market, was run by Hawaiians in the early days. So that is going to become hopefully a museum for Hawaiian 
uh, Chinese activities as a living museum. And then, and then uh, because the Chinatown uh, station is a very small uh, rail station, it will only have one entrance and one exit and one elevator. And we wanted to be uh, able to capture the colors and the sentiment of the, of the spirit of the people in Chinatown. So we are hoping to work with the uh, contractor when they pick the contractor for the design of the Chinatown rail station. And then in terms of business in Chinatown now, it's low because we're still uh, suffering from a lot of crime. We have a lot of um, a new influx, I would say, of drug dealers who are more violent and are more combative. And we also have uh, problems with mental health, homeless, uh, addiction to drugs and alcohol. So we're trying to see if we can remove the retail alcohol outlets. There are three here in Chinatown within close proximity to our homeless population so that we, we can then help them uh, recover from their illness by removing uh, all of this enabling uh, drugs and alcohol because we want to help heal them. And it's good that we have a new 25-bed facility in Ivele just opened by CORE. And then um, we are also hoping to open another four to six beds in Chinatown. And the good news is we have $250,000 earmarked for public toilets which I was a big advocate for. And then um, I see a lot of hope in that we have a city agency core to work on the homeless and to have uh, mental health workers. And we just need to hire a few more psychiatrists to help uh, because we're so short on that. And the governor's bill to relax on the licensing of physicians and nurses would certainly help with the shortage. And I also hope that um, with Chinatown is, is a work in progress because we have been in decay for 25 years. After a successful a success, uh, number of mayors that couldn't really resolve the issues. And I think with this mayor and this administration, there is uh, a concerted effort to coordinate uh, what resources we have. And also we had a, a, a big bonus from COVID with federal funding that enabled many of the programs, even like CORE, to be initiated and to progress. And with the new um, city council, we hope to maintain the level of funding, uh, the level of commitment uh, to make Chinatown into what it was that we all dream of, a jewel, a gem. So all the people of different generations can, can come into town and learn something, enjoy the shopping, the eating. In fact, we have, one, we have many of the best restaurants are in Chinatown, award-winning mm -hmm. restaurants are in Chinatown. So if you look at Nuanu, you look at Smith, you look at hotel, we probably have 15 great restaurants. And I have 10 fur places and eight dim sum places in Chinatown. Ooh, yeah. And I have like uh, almost eight good grocery stores. I just don't like the three liquor stores. 
<laughs> it's not helping us. And then we have uh, Oahu Market, Chan's Market, Kekaliki Market, and Manakia Market, four wet markets. And so we have uh, nine parking structures. And this is a secret. Chinatown after 5 to 12, midnight, is $3 parking. Okay? And then on Saturday and Sunday and holidays, $3 parking a, a, the whole day, okay? So street parking is double the price of the garage parking. So spread the word, come to Chinatown, spend three bucks, park all day, okay? Mm -hmm. And so there are <laughs> nine garages. Yes, okay. Oh, so, garage parking. Yeah, I, I just want to say that, ladies and gentlemen, and everybody who has been listening is just, you just heard it all right there. Chulan is seriously a walking encyclopedia, a dictionary historian. Um, She, yeah, I mean, Chinatown, you can tell she lives and breathes Honolulu's yep. Chinatown. Mm -hmm. I mean, and, and she really loves Chinatown. You can just see it. I mean, I, I'm just in awe, you know, listening to her telling us about the history from the way back beginning. And this is just so important for everybody to hear and everybody to listen to and learn to get a better understanding of why Chinatown is so rich in history. And not only that, but why we need to preserve Chinatown. And, you know, and, and, and Chulan is so right because you know, me as a, as a little girl, when I would go to Chinatown, you know, with my mom and my dad and my popo and like my brothers and my sister, I mean, that was what we look forward to every weekend, like going there, getting the ono grinds and the dim sum and, you know, getting the box of goodies, you know, the pork hash and like, you know, the duck or, you know, roast pork, everything. And, you know, those are very, very heartfelt memories. And so it 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 was saddening to see, like Chuan said, the decaying of Chinatown. I mean, and I'm sure that a lot of people will agree that, wow, well, I don't want to go Chinatown anymore because it's so scary. Or I don't want to go yeah. Chinatown because there's like a lot of weirdos or homeless. It, it, it's sad the way that that was, you know, an aspect that came in, negative aspect. But like Chuan said, a lot of it is, you know, it happened, unfortunate circumstances, um, you know, changes, you know, and, and maybe some government focus and whatnot. But the fact is, is that like what she said is that it seems like we're on a path toward yep. revitalization yep. and it has improved because uh, we've gone back many times, you know, we've gone back to park there in the, the public parking structure, $3.00. And yep. we, I brought my kids because I want to show them Chinatown. I want to teach them. And um, it's gotten better. And and the food is so awesome. <laughs> People know what they're missing out. <laughs> you you really get a big bargain in Chinatown because you still can buy a dollar bag of vegetable, for instance. Fresh, right? fresh vegetables. Yeah. And and one of the things that I wanted to stress on is that we are renovating the Kekaliki Mall. And the Kekaliki Mall is going to stretch from Hotel Street to the real station. So it's going to be all pedestrian. Okay. So, and then we are also working on River Walk yeah. to create more color. Mm -hmm. And then we are trying to, in fact, I'm working on a big project to bring um, River Walk and the San Mall mm -hmm. to have regular activities. And then our park now is a lot better. And uh, a lot of places, even we have monthly jazz music at Dr. Sanyasen Memorial Park. 
uh, thanks to Karen Chang. And then we have so many projects going on that um, thousands and thousands of dollars. And the good news is we are going to have 52 new cameras. Oh. And they are high-tech cameras connected to police cars so oh. they can activate. And this is so important for us because we've been asking for cameras forever because the, the old analog cameras, they were installed by uh, Mia Harris uh, 20 something years ago. Uh, we had 26 and I can honestly tell you only four are working. Okay, because I monitor that. And then um, we expect to get four uh, early new cameras sometime in July because of supply chain problem. And so I've been really, um, really pushing them. And so I think once you have DP2 in major junctions, it will really help with the shortage of policing uh, in Chinatown because we can activate uh, folks. Uh, one thing I'm a little concerned about is that the police commander told me they want to get volunteers to monitor the cameras. And I say, no, 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 no. I asked for funding and we got funding to hire uh, police trained civilians to, to, to mine and man those cameras. Because you can't rely on volunteers to have a stable output. It has to be a 24 seven mm -hmm. uh, position. So the money is there, they just have to do it. We just don't want volunteers in there. Volunteers and do other things like traffic control, traffic uh, whatever, but not cameras because you have legal issues. So, I mean, it's um, really good to get all these updates, yeah. um, you know, all this, these updates, and there is a bright future ahead. If only yep. it happens soon enough, but these things are all going to take time. But there I, is, I, the plans, the plans are really beautiful. Very important point across. When River of Life stopped feeding in Chinatown, that was a year ago, in March 31st, we were elated because it had taken us more than 10 years to negotiate with them. And each time they were leading us on and not doing it. And finally, with this administration, it took one whole year of negotiation and finally got them to stop feeding and, and use mobile units. And we also passed a resolution that no any no entity can feed in Chinatown. Mm -hmm. We won't allow it. And uh, there's still some surreptions doing it. And, and because of that, I have less minus 200 bodies in Chinatown every day. Oh, wow. That's that is very significant. And this is a huge, uh, huge achievement mm -hmm. for the uh, current administration to do that because we were negotiating with them during two terms of Mia Cutwell's time. And then uh, into this one year, uh, we were able to do it. And one of the I would say the three people that were so involved in doing it was the mayor, MD Formby, and Anton Kratky, who got this tremendous um, thing done. And with that, it was just the beginning of a new new canvas for Chinatown. Mm -hmm. Yeah. With core, yeah. I can only see good things. It, you know, it, it took 26 years to kill it almost, and it's going to take us at least five, six years to get the work done. So if we can get the work done in five, six years, I'm going to retire. 
Saturday upper. No, you cannot. You cannot. You know what? I don't. Gotta stay there forever, too long. Seventy. I know. I I know. A lot for me to do. I I. It's a big sacrifice for all these years of moving into town. To, to be involved, wake up early and, and move people so, off. I mean, if I can just if, if I can just say, you know, I mean, you guys already know how knowledgeable and dedicated she is, but Chulan is someone who actually will like kind of like police. I mean, she'll be yes. on the sidewalk and she knows yes. the law. She knows the law. But then yes. she has helped keep the sidewalks free of like yeah. debris well, we and the trash and all that. But then at but at the same time, I like that I, I'm concerned because Chulan is also a mom. She's also a mom and she's a, a very, we love her. We don't want anything to happen to and, Chulan. So like. Quite a few times. And uh, the last time was last year when uh, a person pushed me off my scooter and hurt my back. Mm. I'm still suffering from that. But again, you know, when you have a job to do, you're going to do it. You have to take the risk and you, you have to be careful. But sometimes things happen to you. Right? And, predictably so it's just like any police officer any first responder anything you cannot predict yeah. unstable people or angry people's behavior and then if you if you do something you have to accept the risk and and and, and realize that it is a sacrifice it is something you're willing to do something you're committed to do and then you want to see uh, the success mm-hmm. of of that many people involved in the cleaning up Chinatown, yes. that many people involved in the long term. Mm-hmm. So there are many people that I work with uh, to make this happen. Yeah. So I'm very grateful to and feel very blessed that um, they kind of agree with me to all these various um, activities that we're involved in. Yeah. We have ears and eyes on every street. That's why we can wow. really activate and do things, yeah. And thanks to Chulan for educating even the police who are in that district about the problems so that the, and the laws so that they know, you know, how yeah. to keep it a safe place. They know what who's within the right and the wrong and they can, uh, you know, walk around and know uh, how to police the area I'm and manage very, the area. A food patrol. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. But thank yep. you so much, Chulan. I mean, uh, you yeah. are definitely a jewel for for everybody for Chinatown, and there's no one that can replace you and your dedication, uh, your knowledge, right, Noli? I mean, yeah, we learned a lot just now, right? Yeah, totally. I never knew. So people who are not of the Chinese ancestry, it's good for them to just understand this history. It's so important. If we live in Hawaii. We should know about that place. It's a special place, and all the yeah. things that you're you're doing to to help better it, because yeah. I feel like Chinatown like ours. We have five blocks one way and six blocks another one. It's the smallest Chinatown, but I have seen uh, Chinatowns disappear on the mainland. All it all got left was just the gate. So we don't want that to happen to us mm-hmm. in a future generation because there's a lot in someone's life. Uh, involved with all the multicultural, multi-ethnic people that built the Chinatown. And it is really the gateway to entry to America, to this, to, to have a new life. And that heritage cannot be erased. We all owe it to all of these people who came to Hawaii and then built this state. And then we are one of the most loved states in the United States, the land of Aloha. 
and then we have beauty, we have the landscape, and we have good people. So our Chinatown has to be the best. <laughs> yes. Thank you, Shulan. This discussion, this conversation with you has indeed been a gift. And, and now it's recorded for everyone to hear and learn. Oh, thank about. thank you. you so much. Oh, enjoy it. It's yeah, Chinatown. Yeah. Thank you, Chulan. Thank you, you Chulan. And everybody, if you have a chance, go down to Chinatown because it is better and get some oh. food out there. It's so ono. Junk season. Enjoy eating dumplings. Yay. Yes. 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 <laughs> All right, Chulan. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition. And for everybody else, take care and stay safe. Yeah, you stay Aloha. safe. Aloha. Aloha, everybody. Yeah. Aloha, Chulan. Aloha, everybody. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Yes.